good afternoon everyone welcome aboard the next stop best stop podcast where we endeavor to help you make your next destination the absolute best it can be we're so glad to be back with you again today Uh, my name is jason and i along with my colleague tamika are your conductors for our journey today we are also pleased to introduce our special guest mr mr chris silvera Chris, Tamika, and I were transit planners years ago with MARTA, and in the succeeding years, we are proud to see Chris's career continue to blossom as he is now a project manager with the, with the Snohomish County, Washington, I hope I, I'm pronouncing that correctly, transit yep, agency right. known as Community Transit. And welcome aboard, Chris. We're so glad to have you aboard and gl- glad to get a chance to talk, catch up and talk to you today. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks. Awesome. Awesome. So we're going to give Chris a chance to introduce him, himself a bit more in just a moment. But what I'm going to do, is, as always, is kind of outline our journey for this afternoon as we begin to depart the station. Our journey today will take us to the West Coast, where there are big things happening in the transit world that are going to have a significant impact on the quality of life for citizens in those communities. And you all know that we always make we always want to make our conversations people focused so that when we're talking about urban planning or transit planning or you know any kinds of any of the interesting dynamics that we're talking about on any given excuse me any given conversation we always try to circle back to how that has an impact on quality of life for people so i'm going to spend some time talking about that and how that really gives us a chance to understand ways that we might be able to apply some lessons learned in our communities on a day-to-day basis regarding how infrastructure is built and you know we always have to remember that as citizens in our communities we do have a role to play in that process we have to get involved and we have to participate in that process so without further ado let me just quickly talk about a few things we'd like to address today as we make our way to the west coast we're gonna uh, excuse me our station top top station (laughs) stop topics excuse me will typically or generally include system planning in the Seattle area. So we're gonna talk about some of the interesting dynamics in the Seattle metropolitan area. We'll talk about ways that that the Seattle area has been able to get itself unstuck and avoided the tendency for there to be gridlock in the planning process. You know, you, we've talked a lot about how that's a challenge in many communities. We've highlighted the Atlanta area in particular, but you know, it's certainly not the only one where that's a challenge. And then we're gonna talk about public involvement, how They've been able to address some of the concerns that that have risen in the community about how alignments are being uh, determined and how different transit modes are being decided upon. You know, that's been a big controversial issue in the Atlanta area, but again, certainly not just in the Atlanta area. And we'll talk some more about that. And yeah, we'll get into some other interesting dynamics and topics as we go along for today. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the journey as we begin our conversation. So with that, Chris, I'll let you take some time just to, you know, talk a little bit more about yourself and um, just how you, how you're experiencing the transition from when you were working at MARTA and now working on the West Coast. So I'll, I'll uh, turn things over to you. Sure. Thanks. Uh, So yes, um, Christopher Silvera, I am the, uh, just a quick correction, I'm the program manager er, Ah. of the, um, of our BRT program, our Bus Rapid mm-hmm. Transit program at Community Transit. Uh, 
Community Transit is an agency that is uh, oversees Snohomish County, uh, which is the county just north of Seattle. Um, Seattle's in King County. Uh, uh, it includes it, all the cities within Snohomish County, with the exception of the city of Everett, which has its own transit system called Everett Transit. Uh, but uh, as Jason mentioned, I uh, used to work at MARTA. Uh, I started my uh, my career over there. Uh, spent I don't know uh, eight or so years at, at MARTA, uh, mm -hmm. uh, going up the ranks <laughs> to um, to uh, uh, eventually lead the uh, the long range planning program there as they were uh, working through the uh, the uh, ballot initiative and ultimately uh, the very beginnings of the implementation of that ballot initiative for the expansion of transit in the Atlanta metro. Uh, then I uh, I moved over to uh, Snohomish County in uh, January 2019 and have been here for the past just under five years now. Uh, to focus on uh, building a uh, and expanding the BRT system that we have uh, in this county. So there, there were already two uh, lines in place, or really one in place. The second one was um, started service uh, in March of 2019, and uh, uh, since then we've been working on and are in the process of constructing our third line and. Uh, now we're uh, working on the scoping for our fourth line, um, as well as working on uh, extensions of our first line and our second line. Uh, so a lot of different things going on uh, in our area, and uh, we have a, a lot of interesting uh, uh, differences from the Atlanta Metro. Uh, in particular, you know, I work in an area, uh, in an agency that doesn't have a cent central city. Mm -hmm. um, the, the largest city that we serve is uh, quite suburban. Uh, it's uh, 90,000 people, and that's over a fairly large area. They've, you know, they've annexed uh, uh, the to actually grow that population. So mm -hmm. uh, there's not a historic center that really exists in our what we call our PTBA or public transit benefit area. Um, okay. That's the that's the group of cities that have elected to become a part of this transit system. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, I've been leading our BRT program since I got here and, um, and continuing to work on and improve our system. So focus not on not just on the expansion, but also uh, retrofitting and improving uh, upon what we uh, initially built and hopefully learning those lessons as we go. So that way we can, you know, have a, um, a better product for our customers. Absolutely, absolutely. And yeah, Chris, I, uh, my apologies, I, I introduced you as a project manager, but I think that, that that's actually a good segue into something we really wanted to talk about. And you've kind of already highlighted this as you were kind of walking us through just a general kind of introduction to the, the transit area that you're doing the planning work for. And that's really that distinction between a project manager and a program manager. So I'm really glad, so appreciate the the correction mm -hmm. there, but I think it really highlights that there is a distinction between the two. And can you talk a little bit more about, just kind of help our listeners understand what the importance of that distinction is? Because that's, that's really important, and I think it gets at a lot of why sometimes in some communities, the two are 
can be substituted from one another and they're not the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. Planning one, pro planning yeah. a project versus a system is two different things. So yeah, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So as a, uh, as a program manager, I'm responsible for the, the product, for the brand. Uh, I need to make sure that, uh, that I'm keeping my, uh, my mind on uh, what the system is going to do as a whole and not just how to implement a particular project. Uh, our project managers are uh, more focused on implementing a specific project that is included within that program. So uh, programs are uh, a group of projects, a program of projects, and so mm -hmm. those projects are each led by different managers or potentially two or might be led by one project manager, but you want to make sure that you're um, hopefully creating enough um, capacity or you aren't, I shouldn't say capacity, I should say um, you aren't uh, uh, putting so much responsibility on one person to manage different layers that none of them are done well. And I think that's a, a, you know, a, pretty, a pretty typical challenge that a lot of uh, workplaces face uh, in a more tangible way for, for people might be like um, a manager who is um, supposed to be supporting their staff and being a people manager but also working on projects. Mm -hmm. um, those two types of foci, focus, focuses, um, <laughs> okay. yeah. Leads, yeah. Leads, to, <laughs> leads to a um, deterioration of being able to do both really well uh, or and so uh, you know a manager may tackle that by focusing on one more than the other or you know trying to do their best to split but generally uh, what I've seen at least in my my own career is that um, people tend to focus on that project side and the staff side falls the wayside of it yes um, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> sometimes it's and, easier and, to know, deal with the project than the people yeah. Well, and, and there's a lot of pressure that comes with the with the project and a lot of um, expectations that go with that. Mm -hmm. and, uh, we just haven't had a strong uh, enough work culture in, in the United States to really impress upon the, the importance of people management mm -hmm. and why that why that is a, um, a you know a major factor in retaining um, really um, high quality uh, uh, employees and. And ensuring that you're uh, able to you know, have a have good continuity throughout your projects, because that's the thing that, about transit projects is that these are multi-year, you know, five plus year projects for any any sort of infrastructure project, uh, and continuity is really key to making sure that you can actually get these things done in a reasonable amount of time, and uh, with the amount of coordination that's involved, uh, making sure that you're keeping those points of contact the same is really valuable throughout the process because any turnover can really, uh, well, it can really change a project and, uh, and uh, reduce least, right? your ability to get, yeah, reduce your ability to get things done and to get things done well and have some un unfortunate examples from, from my work where, you know, we had uh, one one person we were working with at, a, at an agency, and they retired or left the comp left the agency or whatnot, and uh, that led to a complete communication breakdown with the uh, with the upcoming the, the person that replaced them, 
that just totally destroyed our ability to get the project done. Um, so, yeah, uh, people management is extremely important to making sure that you're able to not only care for the people that you have, but also uh, building that portfolio, if you will, of people that you want to uh, grow into those positions when uh, and if people do leave. So. Yeah. Um, not something to be missed. And program management is that same kind of way. We want to make sure that, uh, I want to make sure that the uh, group of projects, the program projects are all um, coordinating effectively amongst each other and also that we're, uh, we are keeping our mind uh, or eyes on the prize of a interconnected network of, of projects that don't go out of sync with each other that will lead to a very easy uh, and uh, and hopefully efficient uh, uh, path for our customers in the future because these are the uh, we're building the the spines of our communities with these things. That's mm -hmm. not a, not a short term decision to make. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you you really touched on some of the the hallmarks I think of of issues that we've been trying to highlight. I think during our uh, last several podcasts over the last few months and I, I was actually now thinking about it even over the last couple of years at this point and that is just the 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 importance of and ultimately because at the end of the day once again everything does come back to people these projects are for mm -hmm. people they are not <laughs> an in unto themselves I think sometimes it's so easy that to get and even when you're talking to say politicians and those who are in leadership there's so much of a preoccupation with the thing that it's like this thing is for someone to use. It is not, it has no purpose outside of that, right? It's supposed to do something. And so mm -hmm. I think that gets, it's easy for that to get lost because that's a that's a different kind of thinking. I think sometimes I think we like, you know, it's, it's understandable to some extent. Projects turn into to checkbox items. It's like, okay, I've, uh, here's the things that I've done while in office, and this is why this you know gives credence to my continued leadership. But that's not mm -hmm. always the way. Infrastructure doesn't package itself neatly into you know a tenure in office necessarily. Right? Some of these projects, these are generational projects in many cases. Right? Yeah. You know, how many of these projects started? In some cases, long before we were even born, they were being talked about, <laughs> and they're just now getting to the point where they're being, where, you know, they're actually getting far enough along that they can actually be implemented. So you really highlighted, I think, something that, you know, just from a, I do think that that, that capacity conversation is really important to, to not lose sight of. And I know, Tamika, you you were, you and I had talked about this before, and you had some, some thoughts around that, too. I think you had some questions you wanted to talk about um, just around capacity and just some of your own concerns you, you've noticed just over the years of your own career, too. Yeah, um, I think I think what I really wanted to ask Chris. Well, I think the number one thing I wanted to ask Chris is, um, do you miss Atlanta? <laughs> <laughs> he just went, he's like, let's just cut to the chase. Right? Yeah, do you miss Atlanta? <laughs> yeah, sure. There's aspects of Atlanta I miss. Like what? <laughs> I'll take the uh, the winters, in, the the falls, winters, and springs of Atlanta over the falls, winters, and springs of the Pacific Northwest. Uh, I take it the rain, uh, the <laughs> Uh, the Glue. rain and the gray. The gray. The gray. Okay. Mm, okay. Uh, and the and the very short days. So uh, that's that's yeah. um 
Yeah, I'll say that's uh, mm-hmm. the darkness and the gray is, uh-huh. uh, is a challenge. Um, but, you know, even besides that, of course, the people. I mean, uh, a, a lot of good friends uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. that I you know, came, came to build a network with. And, uh, you know, I, I miss those folks. I, uh, there's I, I, the, the food in Atlanta. I mean, I had, I had some simple pleasures in life at Lee's Bakery. Um, <laughs> 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 you know, get me a good pho and yeah. some bon yeah. meat yeah. or combo deal. Like, yeah. Good stuff. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there's, um, there's good things about a lot of cities and a lot of places. Yes. Atlanta yes. one of them. And, you know, working at MARTA, I, it had its challenges. Mm-hmm. It, oh, um, yes. It, 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 it had it had its it had its benefits too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Great colleagues to work with, and um, a lot of different opportunities to explore while we were there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I I miss Atlanta. I think that's the right the right answer there. Okay, um, okay, okay. All right. Well, let me ask you this: uh, being a transit planner. Um, what is the main difference between working in Atlanta as a transit planner and working in Washington State as a transit planner? And you can take that from any angle, whether it's working with DOTs, whether it's working with with the public involvement. Just give it to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you'd expect the DOTs to be very different, right? So, yeah. Um, I haven't found that to be so much the case. <gasps> wow. <laughs> the, um, yeah, unfortunately, working with WashDOT has not been, um, you know, uh, the the best experience in the world, at least from, mm. from the projects that I've worked on. And that was part of that was the um, uh, one of those cases where having consistency in who we're working with mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. has had some major impacts on one of our projects. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, GDOT. I, I don't know that we had similar issues in that regard. It was, but it was a hard relationship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'd say the the communication is probably better here with with the DOT. Okay. But, okay. Um, but we aren't we aren't you know holding hands and and um, <laughs> and giving hugs all the time mm-hmm. for everything that we're doing mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. each other's projects. The um, the one of the big differences though is. Uh, between the two areas is funding certainly sure um, I was, was going to ask you about uh, that yep yeah yeah we get we get state funding mm-hmm. um, okay some of that comes out of WashDOT mm-hmm. uh, so they at least not acknowledge transit at WashDOT right they do they acknowledge it do they yeah. accept it do they tolerate it I mean what's the, the, the attitude towards transit with the DOT I'd say at the executive level, there's acknowledgement that transit is a part of the system and should be worked with okay. um, effectively. Okay. Uh, but through the machination, mm-hmm. uh, through the machinery of, of the bureaucracy that it is, the state DOT, it can be person to person and how well that's implemented. Mm, um, that's, and yeah. that's a, that can be a struggle. Okay. That's just, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let me just a, a quick follow up on that too, because mm-hmm. this is an observation I've made locally. And Chris, I don't know if you remember this when you were here too. Mm-hmm. Do you find that working with the DOT is easier in some cases when there's a mode of transit that is more amenable to what they are 
that aligns better, whether it's a mode or alignment, whatever that might be, uh, with something that they're already planning. And the reason I'm asking that is that, and you know this is the case locally within the Atlanta area, GDOT's primary, GDOT being the Georgia Department of Transportation, mm -hmm. who, who, who may be listening and is not familiar with that, but um, it's focused a lot on their expansion of their managed lane system. And so within that context, transit is, is tolerated because it fits in to some extent with what they're already planning if it's a bus. <laughs> if it's not, then that's, that becomes where there's a lot of friction, right? I'm wondering if on on the I know I don't know and I know that in different parts of the West Coast, just like everywhere else, you know, different regional contexts and everything. But in the Washington metropolitan area, I mean, in the Seattle metropolitan area, where you're working, how what's that experience been like when it gets into actual specifics around projects? Are there certain projects that they're like, hey, we can work with you on that, but hey, we don't really like that other thing you're doing, kind of thing. <laughs> uh, I. You know, I, I'd say it's hit or miss. Um, okay. okay. They're they're do they're doing some uh, they're working with Sound Transit on uh, rebuilding some uh, interchanges effectively to mm -hmm. assist with the um, a, an HOT lane slash uh, uh, BRT project on I four hundred five. So I, I know there's at least some collaboration going on there uh, from a contractual perspective. Um, mm -hmm. How effectively that works, I, I'm I'm not as tied into that conversation. Don't know. Mm -hmm. um, on the uh, on our end, uh, you know, we've been working to try to get bat lanes uh, in a um, a corridor SR99. It's somewhat similar to um, Beaufort Highway okay. uh, mm -hmm. in Atlanta, and uh, we're. Uh, uh, we're basically trying to take shoulders and convert those into mm -hmm. into bat lanes. Okay. And, um, sure. it, it's been now. What are bat lanes for for the audience? Uh, yeah, yeah. Business access and transit lanes. So those are uh, uh, basically lanes where buses can proceed through intersections, uh, through signalized okay. intersections. Oh, okay. But, okay. But okay. but cars, personal cars, would have to turn right at those intersections. Understood. Okay. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yep. So basically, this and, would be a similar to. For those who are listening in the Atlanta area, this is similar to the um, Summerhill Bus Rapid Transit mm. corridor. And, um, and yeah, bat lanes are and bat lanes are aren't totally exclusive. It's a yeah. you know, GP general purpose cars can use it to turn into and out of, but mm -hmm. it's really at the intersections where it comes to a head that cars need to turn right here and, and buses can yeah. go through. So there's some priority hat to be had there. Uh, by virtue of you know right turn on red, buses are able to get further up in the intersection, uh, and therefore get through intersections more cleanly. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's been a, a primary method in the Seattle metro for how to handle uh, high frequency bus services, including BRT. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't have as much full on dedication since there's just uh, uh, not quite the. Uh, uh, amount of right of way that's necessary to build new lanes and you know widen the road effectively. Um, uh, there's, I would say it's challenging just like it is anywhere to rechannelize um, a road to, cha to change the striping on the load road and um, to uh, give up a lane for um, transit for for buses. Mm -hmm. 
uh, that's you know similar issues with doing a a, a road diet for, to create space for for bike lanes, for instance. Right. Um, we are we're no no different in that regard, <laughs> in that it's still 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 a struggle. Struggle. Uh, yeah. But but the Pacific Northwest, what makes it unique is that there are significantly more financial resources available than. Um, than there is in, in the South, particularly in Atlanta. And, uh, you know, part of that is um, some, uh, a larger degree of state funding, but also uh, uh, at the local level, uh, there's uh, the, the various levels of uh, uh, types of taxes that um, people are willing to um, approve and support uh, has led to um, larger uh, revenue systems for uh, for the different transit agencies in this area, uh, and that's uh, you know been a boon to be able to um, get projects done and actually be able to operate them. Absolutely, absolutely, and and and, and folks, you know, when we're talking about differences in financial resources, we're talking orders of magnitude difference, right? So, <laughs> yeah. so in the Seattle metropolitan area and I'm assuming Snohomish County is, is a participant in the regional Sound Transit yep yeah yep. Sound okay gotcha so we're talking so what's now we're, we're, we're multiple billions of dollars right I'll, I'll let you call out the number <laughs> yeah I don't I don't I don't know the the newest number offhand but it's, it's a, a, at least 60 billion dollars for the Sound Transit link light rail system yeah 60 billion with a B folks <laughs> What right, 60 so, billion? What? Yeah, it's that's right. I know, right? Yeah, I know. It's, it's so, uh, I think it's, it's, I think it might be the largest yeah. public transit project in the United States or, I think, you know, program. Yeah, I think the only one that's closest is the one in Los Angeles, right? If I'm not, yeah, oh, wow, that's how much transit funding your county got. Well, it's the not, not our county, that's it's the whole, yeah, it's the, the yeah. it's the metro area okay i was so, like lord jesus yes yeah, <laughs> okay that's, that's, Ooh, okay <laughs> and so like la i think it there's if i remember correctly the yes. last time i checked i think it was 48 there so i mean in oh, both cases yeah. these are massive massive programs yes and you know those who are listening you know you we're thinking sometimes i think folks here did you see these articles popping up about the, how money is being spent in the Atlanta area and everyone is like oh we have all this money to do all this stuff and it's like well actually not really not really right I mean you can burn up most of what's being collected in the Atlanta area for the city of Atlanta transit tax in uh. one project you could consume that in one project depending on how much of it you yeah. want to try to get done so I think our program right now is three and a half billion dollars three and a half billion <laughs> Right, three and a half versus 60 right so this is this, the regions that are moving forward are generating vast amounts of local dollars that they can work with which makes it easier to do the system planning right and to to strategically coordinate with the federal government about which projects to match for and which ones that they don't need to right in some cases you guys don't even need to be bothered with the federal process because you got enough right so I think that just I just wanted to put that in context for those who are listening so you understand like why you see you may be looking across the country and wondering well why are certain places moving forward so quickly and why is it so hard to get stuff done here this is a huge reason this is a huge reason why uh. so I really appreciate you 
calling that that out, Chris. And you, you also touched on something I think we also wanted to explore too. You know, you're talking about the challenges with bike lanes and transit lanes and how to and appropriating existing roadway for other uses other than for automobile uses, right? So how have you all been able to navigate that? Because you know, I know that you're aware that that's been a challenge, of course, here. And it also gets down to which mode gets to do what, right? You know, sometimes there gets we end up in these internecine battles between those who want bike lanes and then they want and then transit and then there's limited space for both. And so then it turns into a big thing, right? So how do you how have you all been able to navigate that? Have you do you have instances where you're allowing cyclists to use the transit lanes? Like in some cases, that's been done in some cities. That's been something that has proven to also be controversial locally in the Atlanta area. Um, how have you all navigated that? Because I, I, this is popping up nationwide, so it's not like it's you know something that's not being uh, you know surfacing across the country. So, so um, uh, to start, I'll just say that uh, at least in Snohomish County, we don't have any um, fully dedicated lanes for transit mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the uh, the focus of our system has been really on uh, bat lanes and uh, and we actually have some a- uh, HOV lanes that are on arterials so um, okay. so we have some some of those that we're using as well for for, for buses um, but uh, to my recollection uh, we don't have any um, bike and transit sort of lane environments we are bikes um, go across our um, uh, the front of our stations our brt stations uh, using a, a bike lane that's okay. not i wouldn't say that's best practice anymore uh, but uh, we're trying to get away from that and and uh, you know as part of our extensions we'll be pushing bikes to the uh, back side of the station so that way you don't end up with mm-hmm. any sort of bike bike bus conflicts uh, we want to make sure that you know when it comes to biking infrastructure that uh, we're creating comfortable environments. That's not necessarily our charge as a transit agency, but sure. we want to. Uh, we don't want to, um, you know, make those uh, conditions worse for bicyclists because that that matters as bicyclists. People want to be comfortable. People don't want to feel unsafe. Uh, the the process by which someone chooses to ride a bike, you know, first and foremost. Are they going to feel safe doing it? And uh, you know, look at some of these roadways that people have to bike on, or that cho- that they choose to bike on if they if they're making that choice. Uh, some people like I, I, I pass them by, and I'm like, no way, no way, no, <laughs> not, not doing not doing that. But uh, but as we expand our bike infrastructure in the region, uh, you know, making sure that we're uh, not building it just as like a standard bike lane without any buffers. Uh, we want to make sure that we're building a corridors that people are um, are more likely to use. Uh, not just the brave people, but uh, families, their children, uh, that people can feel comfortable to use this as a regular resource because that's what these um, infrastructure projects are, regardless of the scale or size, is that they should be thought of in, in terms of decades, not in terms of uh, you know the next three years. Um, and, and who's going to use this. So you want to make sure you get it done right. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And, and as you've been thinking about and kind of working through those that process, you know, have you all had 
you know, success with coordinating and I'm, you know, obviously you're moving forward. So definitely you've been able to make progress. But what I I guess I'm getting at is that when you coordinated, say, with your local governments where, you know, that are charged with, say, sidewalk infrastructure, bike lanes Mm -hmm. or the the county, depending on, you know, where you might be. Yeah. How have you been able to to coordinate, say, on the land use side, as well as, say, for their other kinds of infrastructure work that they may be doing locally? So that you can kind of avoid those kinds of conflicts and in fact do exactly what you're saying right which is to make these facilities as comfortable and as beneficial as possible right you don't want to be in a situation Mm -hmm. where you're building something and then the city comes through and tears it up you know six months later because they have they did because they had on their program of projects they had sidewalks planned to be widened you know what i mean like and then you have these weird disconnects and then you know the public loses faith because it's like hey look at these crazy public people they're always <laughs> messing things up right that kind of stuff so how have you guys yeah. been able to work through that right and, and harmonize so to speak you know your efforts yeah so we um, certainly coordinated with our um, our local partners uh, whether it be through funding or um, from a planning perspective so an example I can give on um, our second BRT line, uh, Green Line, we uh, uh, were funding partners with Snohomish County uh, to uh, uh, basically help leverage some of the federal funding that we were getting through the Capital Investment Grant Program, Small Starts Program, mm-hmm. um, to uh, um, help them help them being uh, uh, Snohomish County uh, expand sidewalk infrastructure that would connect to and from our um, our BRT stations, so some doing some of those cross, um, those intersecting sidewalk connections, because the roadway itself already had sidewalks, but some of those tie-ins to that uh, roadway weren't there. And so this was an opportunity for us to utilize our project to help them get uh, more of the needs met for, um, from a sidewalk perspective, that would also in turn benefit our project. Uh, you know, the, the ridership that's going to use it, how are they going to get there? Well. We want that to be on sidewalks, not on the side of the street, or you know, through through the dirt or whatever. Right. Um, so that's just that's an example, of at least from a funding perspective. And then from a planning perspective, um, Washington State has a, a, a law in place called the Growth Management Act that uh, mm. uh, we'll we'll say it forces uh, all all local jurisdictions to have to um, complete a comprehensive plan of. Every so many years, I, I don't know it exactly offhand, but this, I think it's eight years. But, um, but there, uh, that's coming up actually this next June. Everybody has to have them all done. Um, mm-hmm. So they're all they're done in specific cycles for different areas of the state. So uh, uh, they're with the intent on um, making sure that those areas in the same those those places in the same area or region are working on them at the same time. So that way there's a collaborative, naturally collaborative effort to make sure that those plans are, are lining up with each other. Okay. And uh, there isn't a breakdown between entities. And as part of that process is the, you know, transportation and land use elements, just like there would be with any comprehensive plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, uh, the, the different jurisdictions within our PTBA uh, share those plans with us. We talk with them about what we believe would be included in the transit elements within the, within transportation and uh, make sure that we're lining up our 
um, our more frequent services or our BRT services with their mm-hmm. um, their higher density uh, uh, approaches or, uh, or locations. And, um, and in some cases, we're the ones driving forward and saying, this is where we think there's the best opportunity for BRT. Uh, this is where we would like to see you guys increase density uh, in those plans, including you know, within uh, a half mile or a quarter mile of some of these stop or station locations, uh, it, thinking about parking minimums and mm-hmm. it, whether whether or not they're um, they're amenable to those things isn't really um, something that we uh, uh, really push on. It's we make suggestions and sure. they can uh, they're it's their plans, but. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we again we're working in Washington State. There's also uh, been some legislative push to uh, uh, to force um, certain decisions on local local agencies. So uh, this past year it didn't pass, but was going through the legislative process was to uh, take all um, all stops that are on uh, bus lines or bus routes that are think serve every 15 minutes or better um, uh, over a certain span of of the day if there's a if there's a bus route with that sort of frequency then all the stops um, on the area become eligible for this this procedural um, uh, item on ordinances that would essentially say that um, local jurisdictions can't have parking minimums within uh, a half mile of state of High frequency stations and mm-hmm. uh, within a quarter mile of, of high frequency stops, and uh, it also would uh, force the 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 cities to um, uh, uh, remove uh, uh, zoning restrictions that uh, in height restrictions for for zoning, um, or at least it would substantially limit their ability to um, uh, to have. Uh, Height restrictions uh, to and density restrictions for uh, for those same areas. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that kind of pressure that's coming out of the state that also is like trying to to, to um, uh, encourage local jurisdictions to be more um, thoughtful in this comprehensive planning process. So that hopefully, you know, if the um, state does eventually pass a, um, a law like that. Uh, that they're ready for it, as opposed to being caught flat-footed and sure. having to, um, you know, to to pivot. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think, and Tamika, you know, be interested in hearing your thoughts about this too. Is that I think that's been one of the big challenges here is that on the books, we have that kind of structure to some extent, uh-huh. right? The Georgia Planning Act and the mm-hmm. Department of Community Affairs require uh-huh. comprehensive plans that's to be, right. you know, completed. And each, you know, jurisdiction has, has is assigned a period across which or within which those plans need to be completed. I think what's, I think what I'm hearing is a distinction, say between, say, communities in Georgia in particular. And, you know, Texas is a, is a little bit of a different situation than other states as well, but particularly in Georgia, that, you know, how that coordination or whether that coordination actually happens is a totally different thing, right? right. So, yeah, you have the plan. You have to have a plan, quote unquote, but 
nobody's checking to see whether anybody's talking to anybody else right. about stuff, right? Right, right, right. Uh, so ARC, our Metropolitan Planning Organization, all of these entities are involved, but you also, but it, you know, you can see that the development process is going on in our local communities, whether it's the city of Atlanta, city of Decatur, city of Brookhaven, wherever it is, that proceeds sometimes on the, of its own accord. And they may or may not be taking into account the needs for transit. And Chris, you don't need us to, you know, you know how that mm-hmm. has played itself out in some cases because some of the corridors that were part of the bigger picture transit plan that have been part of the planning vision for this region for 30, 40, maybe even 50 years in some cases, are going to be tremendously difficult to implement now because they've been built into. structure just stopped accounting for or even being aware of the needs for transit. It's as if that wasn't a thing anymore. It's tough as it's getting built. And so now, you know, with the advent of, say, the transit tax for the city of Atlanta, and you've got one for Clayton County, and, you know, others are considering it too, it's coming up. It's like, oh, wait, you know, now we want to do these projects. And yeah, they caught, they're astronomically expensive now because... Look at all this right away that you're gonna have to acquire and tear all this stuff down, right? So, and that's not realistic, you know, at this point. So, it's it's a, it's interesting to hear that perspective. I'm I'm saying all that just so that those are listening who are just wondering why stuff is so hard to get done. Mm. In some cases, mm. it's really important to understand context is everything. Mm-hmm. If you don't have any space to put stuff, then you don't have any space to put stuff. You gotta either tear it down or move it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And so I think that communities that are struggling, you gotta think about that as citizens and when you're when it's time to vote and communicate with your leadership, this is the kind of thing you wanna be thinking about, right? So I uh, appreciate hearing that, Chris. There's one thing that we forgot to talk about real quick, um, and it's probably something we should define to make it more easy, <laughs> easier for those who are not as aware of how the transit modes are defined, and that is what's bus rapid transit, what's light rail. Mm-hmm. So real quickly, touch on a little bit, um, Chris, say from your, your, within the context that you're working now, how is BRT defined, and say what's, how is light rail defined, and that kind of thing, just so that our listeners just kind of have a general idea about, you know, what does that look like, you know? Sure, so, uh, uh, I'd say BRT is um, a bit more of a range than just a, a, a concrete definition across the United States because it is implemented differently across the, mm-hmm. uh, the country. Absolutely. Uh, that said, you know, generally, uh, I'd say at a high level, most people are defining it as a uh, 15-minute or better uh, bus service. Uh, uh, community transit, we're operating every 10 minutes uh, uh, with a... Uh, that service being over a long span of the day, so meaning 
that you're running at that peak level of service, that high level of service for 12, 14 hours, something like that ac across the day, not just during those peak periods of like 3 to 5 p.m. or uh, or 6 to 9 or something like that, but uh, actually high frequency service throughout the day. Uh, and uh, uh, you know, generally there should be um, a, a better station amenities that go along with that. Usually, some some level of technology is involved with that, with like next next bus information, um, off board fare collection, uh, uh, higher platforms, or so that way you're uh, at near level or level boarding with the bus, which reduces the boarding time to um, uh, for people to get on and off. And usually with the off-board fare collection, then you're able to do um, all-door boarding. And you, you could have an open-loop fare payment system where you're, you're tapping on board as well, but you would you would be able to do that all, all doors. Um, that all-door boarding is a pretty important element to making sure that you're spending less time stopped and more time moving. Mm -hmm. uh, and generally, stops are further apart, uh, you know, at least at, uh, at a minimum, I'd say, a third of a mile is probably about the the right minimum for stop spacing, but it could go up to you know a mile, mile and a half if you're on a uh, a freeway kind of corridor, uh, uh, and uh, with that you know you'll likely have a an, an underlying service that might be a local service for those long long sp uh, distances, but uh, uh, but yeah, I think with within the context of of the U.S. Uh, BRT will also include some level of transit signal priority uh, that allows buses to get through signals a little bit more efficiently. Um, doesn't have a huge impact, maybe you say five, ten percent of your um, your operating time based on that. Uh, will typically or preferably you'll have some some level of lane dedication, whether that be bat lanes or uh, fully dedicated lanes. Uh, frankly. Uh, lane priority is, is significantly more important than uh, transit signal priority. So if you're uh, trying to go uh, only halfway with transit signal priority because it's easy, well, there's a reason that's easy compared to, to lane priority. <laughs> um, but, but uh, you know, those are, the, those are the basic elements for, um, uh, for BRT. There's a, a bunch of different pieces that can also be cobbled together to improve the system. Uh, but those are the basic elements. And light rail is, uh, you know, obviously rail-based, and uh, uh, it is uh, similar in, in in regards to uh, it being a potential. Uh, oh, what's the word? Oh, well, I'll go with range of different different ideas of what that can entail. It can go from mm -hmm. something that is is limited as streetcars up to something more uh, more typical of like a heavy rail system, but just yep. using um, a different type of track system that usually has a catenary, um, it's overhead power. Uh, so it's able to cross uh, with streets if it needs to. Hey, Grace, can you hear us okay? Yep, yep. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> we right. thought we lost you. Yeah, okay. Cool, cool. Yeah, ab absolutely. And, and right on, I think um, 
you know, I think it's just important just to kind of get an idea about how that can vary. I think that's that's really helpful to understand, um, Chris, and especially considering that, I mean, there are, are a lot of different applications for the technology. So you may see a BRT that's being constructed, say, in Houston, and it might be, I mean, they've got some, they are, they have a quarter there that has elevated sections. I mean, it looks like, you know, a, it looks like a more substantial mm-hmm. rail project. It just happens to have a bus on it. Mm-hmm. And that, that was what they chose for the context that they were in, in in that corridor. And then in another case, you may have in the same city, a light rail line that's running like a streetcar, right? Because it's all context driven. And that's something that's, I do think that's important to highlight. And we'll, you know, we may get into the more details of design in a future, future conversation. But when you hear the terms being thrown around, it's really important to understand that there's a lot of nuance to that. And it's always driven by the context on the ground. So when you hear kind of these generalizations being thrown around, sometimes just be careful with that. You'll hear people just say random things like, Streetcar, you know, they'll they'll define light rail as if it is a streetcar, and that's all it is. And they'll say that that's you'll, you'll hear you'll hear people saying things like, "Oh, that's old, you know, eighteenth, nineteenth century technology." No, oh, like that's that. a new term right there. Oh, it's just it old, like, <laughs> right? And well, in the car, nineteenth century technology. I mean, Come on at, now. At this point, everything is everything old, right? is a house you, you is should, right. On. You shouldn't ride a bike either. <laughs> okay. Bikes. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean. So it's just kind of, you know, just be careful when you're hearing that because, you know, Chris, we're bringing this up because in the years since you have left, you may have seen some things popping up about the Beltline. It has turned into a huge thing now about the mode and whether it's mm-hmm. a bus-based thing or some other kind of technology versus rail. And there's all kinds of things being thrown around about that project. But wanted to highlight that just to hopefully encourage those who are listening to seek out the information for yourself and kind of avoid the headlines because that information that's being picked up is not that helpful. You know, you really need to dig into the, the details of what's being being talked about. So, um, yeah. so yeah. I, mean, I, do, I do have another ahead. question. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. I wanted to about um, <laughs> Chris, so now that you've been in Washington for five years, you're on the West Coast, um, Sorry, I don't know who is playing their music really loud. I hope you don't hear that. But I mean, so this is what you're missing, right? Because I'm sure you're not getting that in Washington. Anyway, now that you've been there for five years, what what is Atlanta missing? What's keeping us stuck? Mm -hmm. Give give me one or two. Just throw out one or two ideas. Now that you've been in a, a more progressive transit environment, why are we stuck? I know we know the the answer, but you answered anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, I think two two things. A uh, portion of that is political will, and mm. the other side is funding. Mm. I think those two pieces are the two critical mm. items to any sort of implementation of projects. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, political will, you know, that can be something that's uh, that can be top down, mm-hmm. you know, through through the business community mm-hmm. and through the political class. Mm-hmm. Um, but that can also be bottom up, coming mm-hmm. from uh, the, from the people yes. and pushing on those those that political class to mm-hmm. you act in a particular manner or make decisions in a particular manner that's in line with their interests. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on on the funding side, uh, well, I, I know Atlanta. Yes, $3.5 billion program, but overly ambitious for um, 
for what it has planned. Like, it uh, can't do what it's trying to do uh, with $3.5 billion. It sounds so small uh, compared to that 60 that you just brought up, but okay. Yeah. Right, Oversubscribed. Over well, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's limitations to what, you know, that uh, the Atlanta Metro can do um, for that without, uh, you know, major changes to... Um, to how funding systems work there. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, the, the reality is also just that uh, the, um, the West Coast uh, is um, you know, wealthier regions. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. The, and uh, whether or not people are using transit or not, which means that uh, you know, our tax revenues are higher. Um, yeah. Our projects cost more mm-hmm. um, to go along with it because wages are higher and all these other issues. But uh, but uh, when you are able to um, to uh, take advantage of of uh, much higher tax revenues yes. and then, yes. uh, and then and then be able to get into the cycle of um, leveraging your your local taxes mm-hmm. to um, to get federal funds and to get state funds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're you oh, don't man. even end up spending sp- spending too much local money mm-hmm. to implement projects. Mm. Uh, it it becomes more of a a cycle of getting grants and then um, and then paying for projects and, and moving mm-hmm. forward with mm-hmm. the next one. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, for for some context, like. My my agency doesn't spend you know oodles of money the same way that Sound, Sound Transit does for mm. projects because you know we're building uh, uh, I'd say a um, you know a, a not a, a not cap not totally capital intensive BRT mm-hmm. system mm-hmm. with the without mm. dedicated lanes and uh, as a result you know this this current project this, that we're building right now is Orange Line. We, uh, I think, have a $79 million budget associated with it. And uh, of that, maybe somewhere around $10 million is local, maybe less than that. Okay, uh, okay. A little bit less than that. So it's not like you need huge amounts of money to get there, but you need the funding plan in place to be able to get that, um, that package together. You have to uh, set your expectations for what you're trying to build and your the the jurisdictions that you're working with have to be in agree uh, agreement with that mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know just getting to that point of getting uh, agreement with your local jurisdictions is uh, I'd say two thirds of the battle, battle. yeah because uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. because in in agreement doesn't mean just like saying yes we're okay with your plan it means like we're going to help you implement that plan. As in, we are going to be partners along the way. We're going to work with you, whether you be, we need an MOU or a memorandum of, a, of understanding or an interlocal agreement or something else to, to stipulate this. But nevertheless, we're going to um, actively work with you to help you um, uh, avoid obstacles that we might normally have in place uh, mm-hmm. or, or, or to just assist you through the development review process and that sort of um, issue. So that way, you know, we aren't spending more money on consultants, more money on, um, mm-hmm. on process and time, because this is to the benefit of both jurisdictions, with the transit agency and the, and the local agency. 
and uh, we should be working to uh, to collectively to get the best outcome for the lowest uh, amount of money. And that's just the best use of the the tax dollar, and right. uh, and being good stewards of public dollars is an extremely important um, uh, part of being you know in these roles of, of transit management. You have to. Uh, not take those dollars with a grain of salt or take them for granted, um, I should say, and uh, understand that if we're going to go without leveraging federal funds on a project, that there's a very good reason for doing that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we're going to to take every opportunity to leverage funds that we can, so that way we can do more with less. Mm -hmm. Um, And even though we have a lot of money as an agency, uh, that won't always be the case, and it may not always be the case, so we need to do what we can to maximize value now so that way we aren't hurting ourselves in the future. Uh, and Atlanta, uh, I think, honestly, is just trying to do too much in um, in, uh, in the, the, at, at the beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. as opposed to as opposed to snowballing uh, uh-huh. with getting uh-huh. getting one thing done get it done well uh-huh. mm-hmm. yeah. that. And, and building trust building yes, with the people. Uh, yes with the with the public uh-huh. with uh the business community with the um, local politicians you know you need to make sure that you can communicate an image that you can get things done and you can get things done right uh and that means focusing on that item, having your agency focus on that. Uh, it, that means aligning your your entire leadership to be saying, how can we, what can we do to move um, move aside obstacles? What can we do to uh, to change the image around some issue that's happening? Uh, put you, yes, we have to maintain our, our the operations of our existing systems and all that. But when it comes to building new projects, get one done so that way people start to understand what you're trying to do, see that you're doing mm-hmm. it well, you and then say, hey, I'm willing to, I, I, I like where this is going. Mm-hmm. I might be willing to invest you know, by virtue of a, a, a sales tax increase or something like that, um, a bonding referendum, depending on whatever jurisdiction you're in, to mm-hmm. say, I'm willing to invest to see this thing and continue to improve. I want. I want more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got it. Absolutely. Love Absolutely. it. Love. That's a great. I, I'm sorry. You know, I have to add humor to everything. I feel like being a citizen in here in Atlanta, but also working in the industry. Atlanta has Cadillac dreams, but like you know, you go money. You know what I mean? Like we got a lot of big stuff, but we need to handle the, Jason and I were talking about this yesterday. There's so many low hanging fruit projects that actually could, are so visible and that could gain the public's trust and like, oh, they really doing something. Whether it's just honestly cleaning the 1970s tile. In the, in, mm-hmm. the, in the stations, you know what I mean? Brightening mm-hmm. up the tile a bit, painting a little bit, cleaning a little bit more. You know what I mean? Those things go a long way, but they are looked at with disdain as if, mm-hmm. oh, that's not needed. Just move on to something higher. And I don't think, and I also think that the reach that we have with our transit authority is not big enough, right? There's nothing outside of Atlanta. 
when it comes to rail to actually making an impact on ridership right and so there's no other hand to hold there's no other it feels like it's no other partnership out there there's no as i tell jason all the time marta doesn't have any peers you know within what mm-hmm. about four hours you know mm-hmm. if you consider charlotte um and yeah. when you don't have peers you don't have a measure you don't have something you're working towards you are working in a vacuum and so i feel like that's a lot of georgia kind of like the airport right there there are no peers anywhere Mm -hmm. (laughs) until you get to chicago right or lax or you know a new uh uh uh, jfk or laguardia so um i don't know i think that's that has a lot you know location 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 so that's interesting that you say that and i i guess my other question would be what what's the difference between the public the diff uh, is the public more educated on transit in Washington state or do they have, they just gained more trust in the institutions mm-hmm. because you've been able to do more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, I think that it, it varies by where you're at within a, within a County. And okay. you're going to have, um, that same sort of, um, pushback, uh, uh, political differentiations mm-hmm. between like a, a rural and a more urban uh, okay, area that, okay. you, that you that you might expect anywhere okay um and uh our county just happens to be mostly suburban so mm-hmm. that leads to um you know an, an interesting mix that where people i think uh at least in the pacific northwest seem to be more um environmentally oriented okay. and that tends to um to involve uh pushing transit whether or not they they use transit themselves mm-hmm. so there's um, there's an element of um, you know wanting to uh, build a more sustainable community that people are tied to here mm-hmm. um, and uh, uh, as far as like education on transit there's certainly just more exposure to um, different types of transit here because there are um, various elements I mean the ferry system the uh, you know, we have the light rail system now. We have uh, a couple of different types of, of high frequency bus services between freeway. We have double decker mm-hmm. freeway, oh, wow. freeway coaches. Um, we have uh, you know our, our standard local buses, some BRT systems that smattered throughout the the area. Um, a big differentiation here um, in Seattle Metro is that we have a lot of different agencies. Uh, compared to Atlanta, at least. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know there's uh, Gwinnett and Cobb, but uh, that sort of is similar to us, but uh, but King County Metro is the is the main central agency in the way that MARTA is, but mm-hmm. but Metro doesn't, doesn't do rail, that's sound transit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have these, um, these overlapping entities that uh, uh, need to work together in some, um, some fashion and uh and people are regularly using multiple multiple services so transferring between uh sound transit and community transit or sound transit and and um and king county metro or between community community transit and um, king county metro itself so there's a lot of um having to move between uh, the different regional partners that leads to some interesting challenges but also um uh, people build experience with the different types of systems and have, have a better understanding of, you know, what um, what works well for them and what doesn't, um, because there's just more exposure to riding transit on a regular basis than I would say is the norm in Atlanta. Certainly, there's a population that's using it regularly, but uh-huh. for those that aren't, um, uh, just like 
just like for those that aren't here, there's not going to be as much understanding of um, what's it mean to build a BRT system, for instance. Uh, the, the people that are infrequent riders or that won't ride, um, infrequent riders, I'd say, are, are those that are usually going to just ride the rail system to a downtown event, and that's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar, similar, to, similar to Atlanta, maybe to the right. airport. Right, right, right. Um, and but they won't touch the bus system right so um so there will be that's where i feel like brt is i want to use it as a quote-unquote kind of gateway drug to to (laughs) taking the bus um as in set expect show people that that buses aren't what they necessarily think they are Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um and that the experience can be just as um as fantastic as it can be on on light rail, mm. but it requ- it just requires uh, first of all being open to taking that experience, mm-hmm. and um, but also um, having the political will and uh, political capital to say we want to invest in a system of BRT or uh, or other types of transit that um, gets gets the that creates a real alternative. To driving and by real alternative I mean a competitive alternative to driving one that I'm not making a choice to take it because I don't have a car one yeah. that I'm making a choice because it's more convenient mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right Absolutely. right right exactly exactly I like that I like Absolutely. that mm-hmm. well, well along those lines too I was just gonna I was thinking about you know just some interesting dynamics locally that I'm, <laughs> I'm sure you're aware of but um as it comes to interacting with the community, but have you had situations where a project that has had to change significantly and that has produced or provoked a lot of reaction from the local community and how have you navigated that? So, you know, there are situations where due to funding issues or maybe there's Mm -hmm. a significant environmental issue, right? A project may have to be altered and significantly in some cases, right? If that happens, there's a there can be feelings of of um for lack of a better term in some cases people feel betrayed betrayed like, hey, yeah you told us that mm-hmm. we were going to get this project and we voted to get it now you're saying you can't do it because of this that and the other it's like well why didn't you say that before we voted you know that you know that kind of dynamic yeah, yeah. so how do you yeah. how have you all had or have well, first of all have you had situations where you had to deal with that and then how did you navigate that because you know some of that's has come to a head locally and i and i've talked to other colleagues in other cities they're struggling with it too so how how have you been able to manage that yeah so i'll say that fortunately for our system uh we haven't run into an issue of like over over promising and being mm-hmm. and under delivering under delivering. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah for y'all Great, that's good <laughs> that's good but um uh, but that that said um yeah, I, I'm very mindful of those types of situations, so I try to uh, uh, make sure that we're setting appropriate expectations on the front end and also try to keep things relatively tight until we have uh, 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 agreement with at least the, um, uh, the, the political uh, 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 our, our political clients, I guess I'll say, to, mm-hmm. to make mm-hmm. sure that what we're sharing with the public is something that's realistic and isn't going to just get, um, you know, uh, 
the vaporware of sorts uh, <laughs> where we say this is what it's going to be and then nothing happens from it i don't want to be in that i don't want to be that person out there you know i'm putting my my name on the line mm-hmm. my, mm-hmm. my job right. out there I don't, I don't want my reputation to be one where I put something out there and uh, we aren't going to follow through. Um, so uh, it, there's, this, there's this fine line of like trying to be transparent with the community while at the same time uh, uh, not being so transparent that you may be over, uh, over well, you, people may consider you to be making commitments to something when you aren't actually doing that and it becomes a miscommunication issue mm-hmm. and therefore people Absolutely. are expecting that you're, they're going to get something when you haven't said that, but that's not what they heard. And, sure. um, and by, by heard meaning what they took, in, what the, how they understood and interpreted that information. Uh, so it's being very clear with with the public is extremely important in that regard. But I'll say that uh, while my agency hasn't hasn't tackled that challenge so much, uh, uh, Sound Transit certainly has. I mean, you, when you're looking at sixty plus billion dollar program, the um, any sort of economic downturn can yep. absolutely have major impacts on your ability to implement. And uh, you know, when with uh, when COVID hit and there was a drop in revenues, there was a major ish- issue that was starting to form up as a result um, from just like one year of reduced revenue uh, from their um, from their uh, financial projections. And uh, the end result, many months and years later, was to uh, realign the program to uh, change their timelines for when they're they're able to to um, Commit to completing some of the uh, uh, alignments, and that was a you know highly public, highly politicized uh, uh, endeavor uh, that resulted in uh, a, like a four-year deferral on some of the um, mm-hmm. light rail implementation measures. You know things are going to be completed by like twenty forty-one, so you know we're talking you know twenty-ish years from now that these things are going to be in place. It's still it's. Not, it's it's not quick, but it is, <laughs> but it's uh, what can be done given you know the billions of dollars being mm-hmm. spent across a, a large region. So uh, there's political I give and take that. happening there, um, and uh, that's just a reality of when you're trying to get mega projects done in longer periods of time. It's really important to get things done as as quickly as you can to avoid uh, the potential for um, uh, disruption from a from a economic downturn from un- unseen or unknown unknowns uh, so you know in that regard I'd say you know get one project done first to get that snowball effect rolling mm-hmm. and once you're once you get that snowball to, um, started then you can start to think about that program of projects and what can be done once you're starting to build that trust and you have that process in place as an organization where people are in alignment on how to get this done well, then you can start to be more expansive in, in your mission and how you can um, tackle multiple projects at the same time. I just think it's really hard to do that well on multiple projects when you haven't even done it once, at yes. least in, you know, d- in decades. <laughs> and sure. Well, that's sure. one way to put it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's important. I think, I know we talked about this before, is that time you know, it makes a difference in terms of time and, and um, relationships matter and they change over time, right? So if you look at yeah. 
say the city of Atlanta, the city of Atlanta and Marta and this this the region around it, you know, accomplished something that if you look about it, if you think about it politically, seems it's almost shocking that it got done at all. Like that there was there's actually a Marta system mm-hmm. built in mm-hmm. Georgia at the time it was built. Right, this mm-hmm. isn't it was being planned in the '60s. Mm-hmm. It got which, got a which, very uh, I'll, I'll, fraught time. I'll right. Just, yep. I'll just Go note ahead. that that Seattle residents yep. still complain about this like regularly that you guys got our money. Yep. Ah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, so what's what Chris is referring to is that, you know, long story short, there were several cities that were identified as major recipients of an outlay uh, by what was called the Urban Mass Transit. Act. Administration, mm-hmm. right? I think administration. Yeah. Administration. Administration prior to the existence of federal transit administration, mm-hmm. and there were several cities that were in the competition, so to speak, to some extent, for mm-hmm. being recipients for that largesse. And we're talking about at that point, the feds were pat were covering eighty percent of the capital costs. Nothing projects. been like that before again. <laughs> right. Exactly. And Seattle was was one of those finalists for those dollars. And what happened, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seattle uh, did not come to agreement on being able to uh, to accept essentially accept those funds, and so the federal government took those dollars, and eventually that that went to uh, uh, to Marta in Atlanta, and so San Francisco, DC, and in and in uh, Marta or Atlanta are the the three sister systems from that. Um, specific program and Seattle was supposed to be there instead of Atlanta but Mm -hmm. Atlanta lucked out in terms of Seattle not getting their their stuff together wow but now look at Seattle right yeah it's interesting how the how the dynamics have shifted Mm -hmm. exactly (laughs) exactly exactly yeah I think that and that has a lot to do with what you have to do now to get money right you have to rate you have to it has to show up on paper that model has to be right you didn't have to do that back then, right? So um, I think that has a lot to do with it as well. Um, I, I feel like there's something else I wanted to ask Chris about, um, you know, uh, uh, we talked about Atlanta. What else did we not, there was something else I wanted to ask him about. Um, I guess I could ask this, and I don't know if you can answer it, but now that you've rolled out, you know, two, one or two BRT projects, um, where would you like, because you're doing something, you're, you're in the implementation phase, right? And, and many transit planners mm-hmm. across the nation never get to that point in their career, right? Um, you're very, you're very unique phase of your career. Where would you want to work if you could work anywhere as a transit planner? Mm. I don't know. That's a tough question. Uh, I mean, I, my own, my own interests would mm-hmm. be, I, I'd love to um, to learn how it's being done in a in a foreign country. Mm-hmm, to, to be mm-hmm, honest, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, so just I I like learning new, getting new experiences and learning new things. Mm-hmm. So, um, how, how are they um, handling and in, in in France, in Germany, in uh, South Korea, in Japan, yes. Taiwan? I, I was going to say Japan know, was my choice, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, any of those those places, it's you know an interesting framework. I had the um, the uh, um, the fun opportunity to visit with a transit agency in Japan. Okay. Um, called to- 
called Tobu. Uh, they they do a railway and um, and bus service. There. Okay. Okay. Uh, and yeah, so I met met with them at one of their garages, and they uh, you know they're they're effectively a real real estate um, investment or a real estate uh, corporation that also has a transit um, uh, division. Okay. So it works. It works a lot like how it used to work in the U.S. At least during the streetcar era, mm-hmm. when yeah. real estate developers yeah. were mm-hmm. building out lines mm-hmm. and, and um, selling the real estate. Well, so it works. At least uh, through <laughs> through what I I witnessed, somewhat similarly, still there, uh, mm-hmm. you know, connecting lines between amusement parks that they've built mm-hmm. um, in that case, and uh, Tokyo uh, was it not Tokyo Tower? Tokyo Skytree is theirs. So okay. uh, you know they they're they're connecting major landmarks to um, to different areas to try to maximize ridership, maximize revenue, uh, and uh, you know it's just I, I think that's just a It'd be interesting to learn a little bit more about uh, how how those systems uh, come into being mm-hmm. and how they develop. That not, so that would be a unique interest to me. But it's not a um, I don't know that there's a, a realistic uh, path to getting to that sort of environment. <laughs> right, but it, right. But it sounds like it sounds sounds fun to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so now, Maybe. if you had to choose anywhere domestic, where would you choose to work? Uh, <laughs> okay, well, you can give me a no. I mean, if it's a no, it's a no. <laughs> Never, nowhere. Yeah, I, <laughs> no, I mean, of course, I, I work domestically, and uh, I, I, uh, I, you know, Tamika, I think uh, the, everything has their trade-offs. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. There's, there's um, good and bad about different places. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. I think functionally, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I guess I'd try to choose places that I feel like are going to be somewhat stable in terms of like they have stable financial resources uh-huh, so uh-huh. i know that that you know my job would be in place for longer term <laughs> right right you know, right right you know, the, the, the normal kind of the practical uh-huh, sort uh-huh, of decisions uh-huh, that people make uh-huh. when, they're, when they're choosing different locations right right, right as right. far as like what what would be might be a fun environment or you know just like i like what's going on there uh-huh. sort of deal um i guess uh uh i'd say um you know, our region is obviously has a lot going on, mm-hmm. but uh, I'd also like to to be more engaged with what's going on in California. Mm-hmm. I'd like to be uh, uh, more engaged with what's going on in uh, in yeah the. The Houston BRT project looks. looks oh, Jason just I mean, brought that up I mean, today. I mean, yeah, I mean that billion-dollar project. I mean, that's like political capital going to a um, to a BRT project of that magnitude is yeah. not something. With you know, uh, I guess CT fast track. I don't know how much that one costs, but that's the only one I can think of that would be like probably of similar level or scale. Maybe the Orange Line in in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, it's rare to see a bus project you know breach the B number. So, um, mm. so, so yeah. that's that's interesting to to say the least. I don't know if I want to work in Houston because I don't know if I want to live in Houston. But it's hot. It's flat. A little muggy. Yeah. Little muggy. Yeah, it's a little. It's a little humid. Yes. Yes. Exactly. But but you know I. You know, let's say if uh, I were a consultant going around just getting to choose where my jobs, then yeah, I'd be. I, that seems like a it'd be a fun one to to say tune to and say, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, okay. I worked on a billion dollar BRT project. Cool. Okay. 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 Mm-hmm. Like that. Like that answer. Like that answer. I'm trying to think. Where would I work domestically? Uh, probably. Mm, if it's the Americas, is probably be. I don't know. It might might be Canada. At Toronto. Oh. <laughs> you say of the Americas. Of the Americas. <laughs> let me let me quantify that. You know, New York would be. New York definitely would be, I think, a, a challenge in so many ways. I think I would get challenged professionally there. Um, yeah. And I would be challenged, you know, just living wise, period. But, you know, <laughs> um, one of the oldest, you know, our oldest system and all those tunnels and all the coordination, it's just a behemoth. But, yeah, I would probably, I don't know, I think Toronto, I don't know a lot about it. It, it would definitely be different. So, but anyway, what about you, Jason? I'll give you a turn. Yeah, yeah, I've. I go back and forth about that. I'm really excited about what's happening in L.A. Just mm-hmm. given that yeah. the Olympics are mm-hmm. going to be coming up. Mm-hmm. And so there's just a mm-hmm. lot of excitement mm-hmm. and energy, right? Mm-hmm. Talking about political capital. And not to mention mm-hmm. that there's just a time constraint mm-hmm. hanging over people. And yes. nothing kind of is motivating yeah. more so than when you feel like you got to get something done by a certain time. So right. I think that's kind of put, that's a good extra kick for everybody mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, if there's disagreements, it's like, okay, we're going to disagree, but we got to get this, we got to resolve it and move mm-hmm. on. We can't mm-hmm. sit here and, you know, bash each other over the head exactly. like we can do in some other places. But, so that would be kind of interesting just to be in that environment and kind of all that, being in the midst of all that excitement and energy, mm-hmm. kind of like it was perhaps, yes. I would think back in Atlanta when yes. the Olympics got announced and how mm-hmm. everybody pulled together and, you know, a lot of stuff got done, right? But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, and believe it or not, I mean, it, despite the heat and the humidity, Houston <laughs> is interesting. I mean, I, I did have an opportunity to work there, have made, you know, have some great colleagues out there. I know that they are ecstatic. Um, mm-hmm. Glad you brought that up, Chris, about that corridor that, oh my gosh, that's, we could do a whole podcast on that corridor, has been through a lot. Talk about political machinations and all that. Mm-hmm. But it has, but in spite of all that, it has survived, mm-hmm. gone through multiple mode changes, and finally, <laughs> Finally. finally is moving forward and it's going to be incredible i mean this is one of these high order brts that's got elevated mm-hmm. sections wow. i mean this is like full full like, blown brt blown, right before the train but yeah this is this okay. is as close as you can get okay to, to rail at this gotcha. point without actually doing it and they've got another one that's not too far off of that right that's already been built that that will tie into this one so they are they're really doing the kind of planning we were talking about earlier, Chris. I'm glad we kind of got to lay that groundwork discussion-wise because that's what it looks like to do the really high-level system planning and then start to build the pieces out, right? Instead of doing the pieces first and then trying to like back into it after the fact, they're, they've been they've had a, a general system plan. And it hasn't really changed that much, even though the modes may have changed. The corridors are the same. They haven't really those in move so it's it's exciting to see um progress being made but it's been through determined effort right they didn't give up they just kind of kept pushing at it and it finally is starting to break through uh, despite mm-hmm. the politics you know despite all the crazy politics they've managed to do that so um yeah, yeah man that's 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 awesome that i that's an interesting question. I, I like that. I'm glad we, we got around to that. That's yeah, yeah. To chat about. Well, Chris, do you have questions for us? Right, um, right. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, you're kind of uh, wondering what's going on. <laughs> I mean, you guys are both at FTA, right? So yes. How's that? How's that? How's that life been? How's that changed been working in the federal government? I mean, that's uh, not a yeah. not a realm. I you know, obviously, I work with the federal government on funding items, yeah. but outside of that, you know, I don't have you know tons of connections in the everyday work of our our FTA officials. Sure. Yeah, I you, I, I would go? Go I would mm-hmm. say it, it's a I can speak for myself, but I'm sure Jason may feel the same way. Um, kind of going back to being a transit planner in a region that just kind of hasn't figured it out. Um, you don't want to stop being in that world, right? And so I figured, well, my husband doesn't want to move to Denver, doesn't want to move back to LA, <laughs> so I how can I stay in transit? Right. I may not be making the plans. I may not be uh, talking to the community, but how do I stay in something that I love and be in Atlanta? And for me, thinking about it, doing the, you know, counting on my fingers, the feds were the 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 optimum choice. And I think I love it because one, um, great retirement. Okay, Um, two, (laughs) but uh, uh, you get to see everybody. You get to see what everybody's doing, right? It's just, even though you might be in region four, you're not in region two, you're not region nine or region 10, you get to see what everybody's doing because FTA is a small um, unit of DOT. And so you get to see what the other regions are doing. So you don't feel as a planner, man, I don't get to really Am I ever going to see anything move? Yeah, I'm going to see things move because they may not be right up under me, right? But they're they're in another region, right? I can see what the United States is doing. I can see and point back to bills that get passed, right, and where that money goes, right, and how people are using that money, and, and, and localities are changing. The quality of life is changing, and the mission of FTA is carried out. That's what it has been for me. It's been wonderful. I kind of felt like it would be that way. I was like, I need to go above the local state level in order to feel like, hey, you know what? I'm still doing something meaningful in my career, right? So that's what it was for me. And that's why I'm glad I made the change. Sure, sure. I mean, and I agree. I mean, generally, you know, once you kind of, at least at least in terms of my own like career trajectory it has somehow regardless of whatever <laughs> side tracks uh, that mm-hmm. i may have taken i always found myself na- somehow back in the transit world mm-hmm. and i feel like you know what i'm gonna stop fighting it this is what i'm supposed to be doing mm-hmm. and accept it <laughs> exactly and then you know and lean into it and that you know and, and as tamika was saying that does pose a challenge if you're in a region where we're stuck Mm-hmm. Right, we've it's, mm-hmm. it's a little bit more difficult. There's a lot of political reasons for that, in addition to the funding issues. And I almost feel like the funding would be less of a problem if the political stuff got resolved, because then the funding could get addressed. Um, mm-hmm. And so, with that reality, right, it's kind of like, okay, we can you you can bang your head against the wall about that, or you can acknowledge the reality of it, and then find another way. To really try to serve that um, that calling, so to speak, and I felt like this was the next logical step. So mm-hmm. I've had an opportunity to work at in different cities throughout the, the the country at this point, mostly southeast, the mid Atlantic, and then the Gulf Coast. Mm-hmm. And I worked at different transit agencies, and that's been a, an amazing experience. It's kind of going up to this level 
it's a different scale and a different way of thinking but you really kind of you can see how that federal policy shapes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what's going on nationally and it and it does have a significant impact right i mean i'm sitting here while we're talking i'm watching these news clips flash across my screen and all these you know there's all this excitement now about the federal government's investment now in these rail corridors these intercity rail corridors it's like all this you know lots and lots of funding is now being poured into that after years of of neglect i mean frankly yeah. and so it's finally getting attention now the question is this is a down payment, right? I mean, I hope those who are hearing about this in the news don't think that these things are going to go under construction like right. next year because they're not. <laughs> so <laughs> this is just like getting us unstuck. This is the money to hopefully get us unstuck so we can get through the planning process and start moving. But at least you can see how that affects things. And that's exciting. That's a different kind of uh, way of being involved. And, I, I, you know, I've been, I've enjoyed that thus far but I I never I have learned over time not to shall we say assume things too far into the future Mm -hmm. (laughs) so Mm -hmm. I always try I have and you guys know because we we you you know we know each other for for many years now so you know how we've all gone through different things and have learned had to learn that you know it's good to have you know ideas about the future but don't um, paint yourself into a corner mm-hmm. <laughs> and assume anything is mm-hmm. going to necessarily play out exactly the way you think it is. And I, so I try to keep an open mind and um, just say that, hey, I'm open to remaining in the, you know, exploring the federal opportunities as they manifest. But I'm not opposed to working with transit agencies in the future or, or whatever, you know, but however that manifests right, right, itself, right. you know, in the future. So. That's my long-winded answer <laughs> to your question. But, Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, Chris, it's, it's been so good to talk to yes. you as we, as we approach our destination station and encourage those who are riding and listening with us today to explore the, the wonders of the Seattle metropolitan area and check out what's going on there. And, hey, if you get a chance to visit, make sure you try the transit. I mean, don't just go there and, you know. You know, and not and miss out on that. Use the transit agent, use the transit services rather, to explore the region and and and, and get to know how the system functions, and then and really see how that could you know benefit your own community when you when you're when you're when you have an opportunity to actually think about and vote on plans for the future and, and wherever your community might be. So, so Chris, one thing I'd ask you as we kind of close out for today is, is there anything else you might share with those who might be listening who are, you know, maybe a little bit frustrated, right? I, I know the folks here in the Atlanta area, there's all this stuff about the Beltline and, you know, this back and forth about that. And, um, you know, to, 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 to you know, perhaps leave, those, leave everyone with some encouragement in terms of how to kind of get beyond kind of where they are now and um, and move forward. So if there's anything that say citizens or even advocacy organizations, right? I know you've got advocacy organizations, you know, in, in the Pacific Northwest, how they could be, you know, encouraging to the local community to help support, you know, moving things along, right? And even if it's just low hanging fruit. I, I guess what I'd say is, uh, you know, for the projects that you're respective agency may be working on in a particular area that you're in, that uh, you uh, interact with them, uh, work with them on how, uh, on 
on a path to helping them uh, make that project, whatever that project might be, the best it can be and start building those relationships with them and, uh, and not just like uh, hopefully not an adversarial relationship but an advocacy relationship of we're here to help you guys realize a vision that will uh, better our community because we're all on the same team. Remembering that in the end we're all on the same team here trying to make better communities and uh, keeping that at heart and in mind is really critical to um, you know salvaging or building those relationships that uh, you know, make for better partnerships going forward, not just uh, in an existing project but in future projects. And and that's something that you want to be able to leverage, so that way you can get ultimately what you want in the future, or at least uh, get more um, buy-in for those things that you might want in the future. Uh, but it also just gives you a better sense of perspective on what agencies go through on a regular basis and the different types of items that they're trying to weigh or balance and keeping those in mind that we may have our own interests on a specific aspect of a project, but agencies are there having to, having to balance a, a whole host of issues. But the more you get engaged in those projects and, um, and uh, get involved in an existing project that's moving forward, uh, the better uh, you can you can build that relationship and understanding, uh, and hopefully create a um, a a foundation on which to build upon to, uh, to to help realize the vision that you and the agency and the community can build together. Absolutely, absolutely. Well yes. said. Well yes. said. Well, I miss you. Like I feel like we need you back here, yeah. but you are doing great work in in Washington and I'm so proud of you and I can't wait to you know for me and Jason to interact with you um at a conference we were just talking before we started recording that uh Apta Mobility is in Portland at the end of April so I would love for us to get together in person and just you know shoot the breeze you know what I mean ride a train or yep. something yep. yeah yep. yeah Maybe, I think it'd be awesome they have a new Division BRT, so we could go try that. Oh, out. yes, yes, and stop yeah. at the Powell's yeah. bookstore and go to get some Ethiopian. Yeah, you know me and food. So, yeah, <laughs> this is, this is, it'll be good. But thank you so much, Absolutely. so much, Chris. Yes, yes. Yep. Thank yeah, you guys thanks. for having me. Appreciate it. Sure yes. thing, man. Sure thing. Yes, it's great yes. to talk to you, and, yeah, look forward to hopefully having you on again. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Once your, your your most recent project goes through and it's completed, mm -hmm. you know, tell us tell us war stories. We want to hear about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, these projects are, are sagas in and of themselves, right? Yes, and yes. So, yes. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you all so much for listening, and we look forward to our next journey together. And with that, we hope that you will make the next stop your best stop. And we look forward to spending some time with you again in the future. So make sure you mind the gap as you exit the train and make sure you gather up all your belongings so that, you know, when you come back to us again, you'll have everything you need. All right. <laughs> so, thank you all so much. And we look forward to our next journey. All righty. Thank you. All right. Take care, everybody. This train is bound Creek Station. Just a little disclaimer for you guys. 
Any and all opinions expressed during this podcast are those of our guests or Jason or myself, and they do not in any way reflect the position of the federal government. All right now, y'all.